Hello, everyone. You're listening to Digital Builder, a podcast brought to you by Autodesk, made for construction professionals who want to hear from those on the forefront of construction technology. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Each episode will feature a conversation with a construction industry leader. Together, we'll dig in on themes related to connected construction and discuss where the future of the construction industry is headed. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Digital Builder. I'm your host, Eric Thomas. This week, we'll be chatting with two inspiring women and hearing their stories of resiliency navigating the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. My guests today are Samiha Shaquille, Senior VDC Engineer at Skanska, and Carolina Alvarez, President of JNS Building Maintenance. And while 2020 has come to a close, I think there is much we can learn from today's guests as we plan for 2021 and beyond. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Hey everyone, my name is Samiha. I am a Senior VDC Engineer with Skanska USA Building. I am also a self-proclaimed maker, avid DIYer, and 3D printing enthusiast. I've been with Skanska for a little over three years now. Prior to that, I worked with a smaller GC for about a year in quality control. My role at Skanska changes from day to day, but um, includes coordination, model analysis, um, reality capture, and a key aspect of my role is to help project teams utilize emerging technology to help deliver a project. Hi everyone, my name is Carolina Alvarez. Thank you so much, Eric, for having me on. I am the owner and CEO of JNS Building Maintenance, Inc. We provide post-construction cleanup, commercial janitorial, and COVID-19 disinfection. We're based out of Southern California, and we're currently covering about 10 states and expanding. Started the company about four years ago, but I've been in the industry for 17 years. Started in customer service and moved myself up to where I'm at today. I'm excited for this episode in particular, just because I think your experience and background come from such different directions. Now for the, the first segment of today's show, we're going to be discussing the theme of resiliency and how each of my guests navigated the challenges of the ongoing pandemic. They both have an inspiring story to share, which ultimately placed them on our recent 40 under 40 list. Considering 2020 was an especially challenging year, Autodesk decided to go a little further and created a category of 2020 heroes to recognize seven individuals that truly went above and beyond. And today we have the privilege to speak to two of them. So I'd like to start off by giving each of you an opportunity to share your story from the last year and how it ultimately resulted in your 40 under 40 nomination. Sure, so yeah, I mean, it was an honor to be nominated and getting the award, I think it was amazing. Um, but you know, when I think of heroes, the reality is the definition of a hero is not to be strong when it's easy, but is to be strong when it's difficult. And 2020 was definitely a difficult year for most of us. When I think of the heroes in my company, I think of my staff in the field. Really, they're the unsung heroes of the pandemic. Uh, we have them out there. They have to be able to provide the guidelines for CDC and making sure that everyone on our sites are safe that they're able to open up again because all the construction sites had to close up immediately that you know week of march i think it was like the 15th after friday the 13th and they were looking at us going okay what do we do now 
And <laughs> I didn't have the answers right then and there, but we quickly had to uh, make sure that everybody was able to have their PPE, the chemicals, put plants into action to be able to go back to work. And just like I feel everyone else in our industry, we could not find PPE anywhere. We couldn't get the chemicals. And yes, we had some, but not enough to get us through the next 30, 60 days. So I was driving to San Diego, close to the border to pick up stuff. I had to drive to Nevada. I drove to Utah. And this is from having friends in the in the industry who were like, yeah, we have some. Come meet us. We'll give it to you. We also had clients that were shutting down that were not able to open up again. And I wanted to make sure that we were able to keep everyone on board. I didn't want to do layoffs. Um, it, it was, again, it was like ev everyone was kind of in that panic mode. And so I was like, okay, well, let's see where we can put so-and-so. Maybe they can go help another person. And like I said, we're in two different industries. It's construction and janitorial. So it's having to like train one group to be like the other and help each other out. But, you know, then we had our project managers looking at us for answers at the same time saying like, hey, what do we do? What, what do we need to put in place so that everyone can go back to work? And this literally happened from one day to the other. It was like Friday and then Monday. Hey, Carolina, what are we doing? <laughs> so it was, it was hard. It was, um, you know, I felt like I was a student again doing my research on the coronavirus and, you know, how to keep everyone safe and putting the plans into place. But we definitely struggled those first 60 to 90 days. But once things turned around and we were, you know, uh, hiring more people because we needed the extra people, we wanted to pay it forward. So we know uh, there's a lot of nonprofit organizations that also couldn't get donations and couldn't get the, the things that they needed, such as PPE, such as consumables. So once I was able to find a supplier that could help us out, I wanted to pay it forward. So I bought a bunch of stuff and started delivering to these nonprofit organizations as well. So, but again, I think the, the unsung heroes are, are my staff in the field, really. I, I feel the same way just as I listen to so many different customers and, and former coworkers when I was still, you know, working for a couple different GCs in hearing how quickly these pivots really needed to be. It was, it was so unexpected. There really wasn't any framework for any of this. And it's been so impressive to hear everybody's stories who just figured it out. And it, you know, everything wasn't perfect from the, the get-go, but the, the amount of people that jumped in and said, how can I help? How can I get people safe and back to work is, is just truly impressive. Samia, can you share how your 2020 unfolded for you? Absolutely. Um, I just want to say first hats off to Carolina, you and your team. From my perspective, you know, we're all trying to get back on the job site too. So it's interesting to hear what was going on on the other end, you know, from a company like yours trying to get us back to work. So thank you for what you guys have done. And I think, you know, those COVID toolkits that you were kind of describing about, you know, protocols, what we need to do, those were so critical for our industry to get back to work. So for my, my story is a little different. I know we were just talking about how strange it is to say that like 2020 is behind us and that it's January. But, um, you know, I think it's really interesting because as a 
global population, as a country, we all experienced anxiety at the same time. It was unlike anything we've ever experienced. And for me, it was a little personal. You know, in April, I was supposed to have a wedding. And I think around February, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I didn't want to admit it. <laughs> and by March, I knew it was like definitely not going to happen. Um, so, you know, I'm frantically making calls, trying to like, you know, make sure I don't lose all my money. And my mom, you know, she mentions, hey, Samiha, I, I think you should just get married anyways. And so like five days later, we're getting married on WebEx. <laughs> And I mean, everybody loves the story. I can't believe it happened still. But, um, you know, my cousin who lived all the way in the UK was able to still officiate just by sitting in his living room. Um, and it was it was amazing, like to sit on my couch and like see the loved ones uh, and my family members on my TV screen and, you know, have this wonderful moment and still feel very connected with people. Um, and that kind of made me feel like so grateful and so fortunate in that moment that I felt like I needed to bring something positive back into the world to kind of, you know, keep what I've got. So we felt so very fortunate and, you know, we had all this positive energy in our lives. So we just felt we needed to bring that out into the world. Um, so a few days after we got married, I was looking at my university's like Instagram page and there was a makerspace that I used to work for. Um, and they were printing PPE uh, to distribute to healthcare workers. And I looked at my husband at the time and I was like, well, he's my husband now. But <laughs> at the time I was looking at my husband and uh, we were like, oh, we have a 3D printer. We could do this. So we did our research first things first um, and spoke to healthcare professionals that we had known personally, uh, did our research and looked at forums. Um, the NIH kind of listed uh, like special, like kind of fast tracked approved designs for PPE that could be produced via 3D printers or other sort of uh, assembly methods. So we found a design that worked and overnight we became like a factory <laughs> and oh. we were printing PPE nonstop trying to figure out how we can print overnight, like large bulk amounts you know, working out the logistics of how we would get PPE to people who need it. So in our group, luckily, I do have a lot of friends that were in the healthcare industry. So I was able to just reach out to my personal network and get that PPE to those who have needed it. But there was a larger network growing. If you follow, you know, there was a, a group called New York City Makes PPE. They were able to print close to 100,000 face shields. Wow. Um, which is incredible. Um, it speaks to just a maker community that came alive at this time. Uh, my husband and I printed 500, which feels like a lot, but you know, it's a drop in the bucket of what was really needed um, at the time. You know, we every night we were hearing like ambulances, we're seeing, you know, news reports of not enough PPE for healthcare workers, and it's a scary thing to think that these are the, you know people, essential workers who are going to bring us through this and they're not properly equipped. So uh, doing something like this really gave us a lot of purpose. And I found that at that time, I mean, so many people were looking for ways to help. It was like a call to action. So stories like mine and Carolina's are, there's, there are many of them out there, people who were, you know, donating food to healthcare workers, people who were setting up funds for people who had lost their jobs and needed to feed their families. There was just this collective desire and urgency to help each other out because this were just unprecedented times. 
so yeah, it was it was definitely an experience, um, but I felt like we all came out a little better through it. So yeah, I, I think there's there's so much that we can kind of learn from those those quick pivots that everybody's made, whether it was, you know, in their personal lives, at work, in the industry. And you've both made it really clear that most companies have had to make massive changes overnight to keep their teams safe and able to work. Do you have any thoughts about how learning from this pivot might impact how we handle future industry challenges? I think many of these overnight challenges that companies needed to make was, you know, heavily relied on like the creativity and ingenuity of its employees, you know, acquiring PPE, like, you know, we've heard Carolina's story, creating new protocols, you know, changing our work safety plans and ensuring social distancing on an active job site that doesn't happen overnight easily. You know, our senior leadership began these like town hall uh, meetings that are like just weekly WebEx meetings where we shared sort of like it was like a knowledge sharing experience. We were able to see what other job sites were doing to maintain social distancing, how to update their safety protocols. And I felt like that experience and being able to, to share this information and spread good ideas is what helped us spring back into action. It helped us stay connected. Um, and also, like we we're talking about, making sure everyone has that information on how to deal with COVID, those those toolkits, those protocols, distributing them, that was very like critical to to getting back to work. And just you know, from I guess my perspective and like the tech perspective, it really definitely meant we had to just like fully digitize everything that we were doing. You know, in New York specifically. A lot of our project teams went into these like rotational schedules or, you know, we know plenty of parents whose these school shutdowns have, you know, forced them to work remotely, try to figure out how to get childcare. So without those like traditional means of communication that we were so reliant on, we had to just somehow like seamlessly transition to just digital communication. And, you know, Skanska, we've been just rolling out like, you know, our video conferencing software for a while now. But before that, we maybe had like you know, various levels of teleconference users, somebody who maybe needed to set up a conference call once a week is now having to do it like every day and constantly. So definitely shout out to all the IT teams that like needed to support everyone overnight and just kind of get everyone up to date and setting up VPNs, all of that very, a lot of work behind that. But I felt like this this challenge was a way to kind of test the construction tech that we had already been using or have been hearing about for a while now. So one example that I use a lot is like 360 cameras. You know, we we've all know about 360 cameras. We all know how important it is to regularly take those photos and, you know, the importance of job site documentation. But in this case now, you know, you just have one person you know, going around the job site, taking those photos within the same day. Now you have multiple people walking through a job site virtually. So, you know, we're no longer having to do like large congregations for site walks with owners and clients and, you know, architects, we can kind of limit the amount of people that we need to bring on to a job site. Um, I myself benefited greatly from it because, you know, I was able to look past the past two years we collected over 10,000 photos on the last job site I worked on. And from home, I was able to just like look through the, the building, do some ads built verification. And it was, you know, you don't miss a beat. And then platforms like BIM 360, you know, so I had to 
start coordinating a new job this year and typically coordination is like a war room situation you get a bunch of people in a room and you talk you know you you go over issues for hours and you really rely on having to be there physically with a person so we needed to find out how to use technology to make sure there is no information lost no conversations lost no issues lost so those sort of platforms we heavily relied on to continue working the way we did it's been such an interesting thing to watch the uh somewhat forced digital transformation a lot of teams are having right now where they might have had one foot in the water as far as some of the tech but there was still manual systems in place you know still paper and and since construction has traditionally been an in-person boots on the ground industry that that pivot to less on the site is more is is so interesting to watch unfold and just you know covid restrictions are are so different in that environment because you're you're building you can't simply go oh we're 6 feet away no big deal yeah. like like how do you carry a piece of drywall and keep two workers 6 feet away you know like there's so no. many weird little nuances that you've got to unpack that Absolutely. are just brand new I agree. I mean, somehow how everything you've been saying, it's like, I'm shaking my head going, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think, and from our perspective, you know, we're one of the trades and we were lucky to have kind of like a younger generation that knows a little bit more about technology. But I have to tell you, I've been in, you know, in the beginning, a lot of those Zoom meetings with different trades and some of them are older generation. Yeah. And oh my gosh. It's hard. <laughs> <Just> to get <laughs> one meeting started, it was, it was interesting. So yeah. I think the first 20 minutes was like trying to tell, you know, this person how to set up their Zoom and and how to turn on the camera or put it on mute. And oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it it was very interesting the first few months. I think here and there you still get that one person, but um, yeah, we still have a lot of that older generation in, in the construction industry that, you know, hard-headed on no, no technology, but. I, I mean, think we've changed their mind this year. We so definitely right? have. We definitely <laughs> changed their mind this year. <laughs> definitely have, yes. Including mine, because I'm very like, I need to see you in person. I need to do things in person. Yeah where I have to sit back and go, okay, let's do this, you know, over Zoom or team yeah. meeting or whatever it is that we're using. We need to get a building up and you can't, like you're saying, can't install a building or build a building if we're all standing far apart. But, um, you know, we just have to make sure we approach everything with a safe plan. And when we don't need to congregate, you know, we have the tools we need to to just make, you know, safer choices. So Carolina, I heard you're part of a program that's somehow connected to Warren Buffett. Can you tell us what that program is and what the journey has been like going through it? Yeah, actually, you know, it's so Warren Buffett, he's on the advisory council for a program called um, Goldman Sachs 10KSB. The program started 10 years ago uh, with the vision of we want to help 10,000 small businesses get a full free program education similar to that of the MBA and also have resources to capital. Um, as you guys know, small businesses, uh, that's probably one of their biggest challenges is having that resources to capital, resources to education, resources nowadays for technology that we don't know about, right? Or 
Maybe we just don't have the funding for it. So funny enough, I heard about the program in 2019 and I think I signed up probably like early 2020, but the whole process takes a few months because you have to qualify for it and then you have to go through all these interviews. Uh, but if you make it, I mean, it's it's such an amazing program. And I'll tell you one thing. I think because of what 2020 was like, program started in August. I mean, it was like right in the middle of the pandemic. And, I, and we were the first cohort to go through it on Zoom versus in person. So also on their side, there were challenges on like, okay, how are we going to do this? Is it going to work? especially for entrepreneurs and business owners, we're very like in-person uh, group. So it did work. And not only that, I think for, we had business owners that were restaurant, you know, they own restaurants and, and marketing. And, um, you know, they also, some of them do like convention setups and um, photographers that they had no business at all at that point. And, through the program, I think it's a lot of that, okay, how can we help each other? Backed by Goldman Sachs, which, hello, it's amazing, yeah. right? So where Warren Buffett comes into place is that this December, the program hit the 10,000 business to go through the program. And the good news is that I, I believe it was this week or last week, the Goldman Sachs announced that they're going to do another 10,000 small businesses. So it's still available. You oh, still wow. can sign up for it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, and I think they saw the need, especially right now, again, especially right now. And so when they, when they hit the 10,000 business, they, they had, I, I'm sure it was already programmed to be this huge event in person. Instead, it was over a Zoom meeting. And it was uh, Warren Buffett, it was Michael Bloomberg, David Solomon, and uh, Mary from GM. And it was so surreal, first of all, to be in front of them, <laughs> but and to be able to ask questions and hear their advice and their outlook of this is how we started and this is how we run our business today. And each one of them had a different outlook on how to run a very successful business. Uh, but like I said, it was very surreal. And I, I mean, I felt coming out of that, that meeting, I was like, I'm going to work 12 hour days now. <laughs> but I think the, the coolest thing that I heard uh, Warren Buffett say was that um, he's 90 years old. His partner, Charlie, I believe is 98 years old. And wow. they both go to the office every day. Wow. <laughs> so when I say I came out of that, uh, out of that, that program, I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the first one in the office, the last one out, and I'm going to work Saturdays if I have to. So I, like I said, it, it was, it was very um, surreal to be in, in that, in that group and to hear the stories and what they had to say and um, I hope that, you know, whoever's listening now that owns a small business can look into this program because it's, it's great. It's an amazing program. Sounds like an incredible opportunity to, to have an audience with some really impactful and successful people. I, I'm excited to hear a bit about it. And if, uh, if you happen to have Warren Buffett's phone number, feel free to shoot me that <laughs> later. I've got Same. some stock question for him. <laughs> 
So we've talked about the challenges and struggles of last year. I'd like to hear what each of you think the silver linings are that came out of 2020. And I know we've unpacked some of those already, but I'd be, I'd be curious to hear just what you think those, those real strong pros that came out of this last year would be. So broadly for the industry, I think we've proven that increased adaptability uh, construction is known to be an industry that is very slow to change, but I think that we've prov- like we've proved otherwise, and we shouldn't stop here. Uh, the door is open, and there is an abundance of technology out there, and it's worth the effort of the research and development to find the right fit. So Skanska, you know, has been on the path of digitization and construction tech for a while, but this year, I just feel like from the ground, I've seen a collective just growth and acceleration in that desire to adapt and use new technology. Whereas I feel like a few years ago, just as a whole, and I think this is just like a common thing in the industry, is that maybe we don't trust the technology that's coming out. Um, and since we've had to rely so much on it in the past year, I think you know we're making good strides to, to continue. Um, and on a personal note, Um, Just from printing PPE and like adapting to this new work environment, I think, you know, I've discovered this like new agility in myself. I think, Carolina, you can agree. Um, You know, in 2020, I started off just feeling very lost, a little defeated almost, but, you know, with the support of the people in my life and, and even the coworkers that I've worked with in this past year, I felt like I've ended this year feeling a lot more focused. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to use this year to, to reflect on what I've learned in the past and then challenge myself, you know, with this challenge of a pandemic to kind of take those skills further. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And to be honest, I think I was one of those people that were like, eh, technology, but <laughs> definitely have learned to embrace it. And, you know, like I keep saying, I'm a, I'm like, I want to be in front of you. I want to see yeah. I, I want to be in the project. I want to see what's going on and have to like learn to step back a little bit and, you know, let technology take what yeah. I, what I couldn't do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, we looked into, I was sending out bids through email, like, and yes, as technology, but then we started looking at different platforms on yes. that. I can just do it all at once because I wasn't going to be in front of these different GCs and the opportunity just wasn't there anymore. So I had yeah. to look elsewhere for, for new opportunities. So yeah, I, I think for, again, we're, you know, we're a trade and for trades, there's still a lot of opportunity for growth in technology. And I can only speak for myself, but, um, you know, being in different groups and, and speaking with other trades, there's still a need. But yes. not, not only, and maybe it is out there, they just, they're not aware of it, you know, and, and I think education, right? Education, right. it's a huge part of it. And I, Samiha, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Skanska has a, a small responsibility to reach out to these trades and say, hey, this is what we can do to help you as well, right? Um, so I think there is a huge opportunity for growth, Um and to let others grow with with you, right? So if Absolutely. you know, like share share the knowledge, right? Yeah, yes. Um, and and reach out. Definitely reaching out. Um, it's it's gonna be. I think twenty twenty one is gonna be 
reaching out and helping those that need it. Absolutely. Uh, versus where 2020, we were all trying to catch up in panic mode and, and you know, and, and this year is more of like, okay, we know what happened. We know what we need to do. Now let's educate and, and reach out to those that need it more. Absolutely. And, I think you bring up a really good point. Like we find ourselves in this unique position as sort of the middleman in the whole process of, of putting together a building. And I think, you know, what Carolina said is very true. And hopefully as we start to bring on these emerging technologies onto the job site, we kind of collectively all grow together. I think we've noticed this and I've noticed this in, in my BIM coordination calls, you know, the tools that we use uh, inspire, you know, I think this, the trades to do the same, not to, I'm not going to name any names, but one of my trades actually went ahead and bought a 3D scanner <laughs> lately, recently. And I was so surprised and I was so happy, but you know, we've been using 3D scanners on our job site and the, you know, the trade, the draftman that I work with was like, yeah, we bought one because it's just so useful for us. We need something like this. So that's, that was such a win for me. Not that I had anything to do with it, but I felt so proud, you know, that like we're all, you know, kind of going on this journey together. So that's definitely a hope that I have going forward just for the industry as a whole, because it doesn't make sense if only one player is like very tech savvy, right? Mm -hmm. We all right. have to kind of do this together for this to work really well. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And whether it's a trade or a subcontractor or anybody else, I, I think there's a more prevalent plan now to, you know, own your own data, make sure you're being decisive about the technology that you leverage versus just following the GC on a particular project or anything along those lines. Like the more, the more savvy everybody across this space gets for with all these different tools, at the end of the day, it it boosts outcomes for the owners and the end user in, in an incredibly positive way. And construction's forever digitized after this year. Like it has to be just the basis of how our industry operates is, is now changed. And like, as Samia said earlier, like construction is slow to change and historically have used crises moments as the catalyst to, to kind of drive those changes. And I think that 2021 is just a, a wonderful opportunity to take stock of what worked last year, what didn't, how teams are growing and adjusting, and, and how they can implement these things in a more meaningful way moving forward. And the cool thing to me is I watch how construction technology changes, the ability to attract new talent in different areas, these flexible working environments, the willingness to use new digital tools opens up an entire new chapter of people that we can attract to the construction industry. So if somebody say doesn't live in New York City, but has a keen interest in data and technology, they could serve a really strong function for a general contractor on the data side of things and never actually set foot in an office or on a project site. Two years ago, that wasn't necessarily something that a company would be interested in, but I think that those conversations are starting now. And in, in a year, two years, five years time, I think the, the space is going to look a lot different than it does right now. So I, I, I agree with everything both of you have said. It's, right. it's going to be a lot of fun to see how yeah. this all unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking to that, I think it, um, we all have to also acknowledge that there's, there's like, when you think construction tech, there's like fancy tools, like 
like I've mentioned a few of them on this call, but so much of when we think about how we operated even 10 years ago, like so much of what we're doing is already in this realm of construction tech. So it's kind of like whether it's, you know, the document management systems that we use, the way we do scheduling, the way we do, you know, anything, you know, reducing paperwork, basically physical paperwork, you know, you're in construction tech. So, um, you know, we just have to acknowledge that it's not always this crazy, fancy, scary thing. Um, it's, you know, data is so many different things. Yes, you know, analysts and, and strategy and all that stuff, that'd be very useful. But we, as people who are in this construction environment, are producing data and utilizing data in ways that we are not really cognizant of all the time. So we're, we're in that realm. We're here. You know, let's try to take it further. So we've talked a lot about last year. And now I'd like to pivot to today and also the future. And I'd be curious to hear a little bit about what's changed the most for you from the day COVID started impacting your lives and your job sites to the, the new normal of today. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of struggles going on in, in the industry and but it's interesting to me to, to take stock of like day one when, you know, work from home mandates were implemented and job sites were shut down to where we're sitting today. I think for us, Eric, it's kind of like a silver lining that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, when, when you think of final clean, we are the final trade. And I always joke around that we're always the last call because they forgot to put in a budget for cleaning <laughs> or if they did, they still forgot to call us. And it's like, Hey, can you clean a full hotel tomorrow? Is, is that okay? And so I always, always choked around about, you know, us being the last call and because of the pandemic and a lot of people and a lot of companies have looked at the pandemic as a crisis for us, it was an opportunity. Now we're getting project managers and GCs, we're the first call. They're starting a project, they need us there. Why? Because we need to disinfect, we need to make sure that CDC guidelines are being followed, that their other trades are following those guidelines, that um, if it's a construction job where there's still residents living in them, we have to make sure they're also safe. So for us, I think the biggest change is being the first call, whereas to being the last call. So that's been, um, I love it. <laughs> it's a, a solid business model pivot there. I, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Can that be the new standard just going forward? <laughs> like... Yes. <laughs> um, for me, I think, you know, funny enough, I think, there, there has been some changes just in terms of like job sites and, and kind of seating arrangements and, and, you know, the workplace. But for me, it almost similar to Carolina is like, there is, this is an opportunity to kind of wield, you know, I've been talking about construction tech for a couple of years now. So to kind of showcase and like prove what we've been doing and how that, you know, by investing in the tech that we have been using, we've actually all along been, you know, proactive instead of reactive is what, you know, construction is like you were saying known for. So I found myself very like fortunate not to have to, you know, invest or, or ask to invest in new technologies because at my, you know, at my disposal, I had so much that would already let me continue doing my job, you know, given the certain circumstances. So I thought this, you know, was a time to kind of prove 
what VDC and in our department can do in construction. Yes, I, I love what opportunities are, you know, laying ahead. Uh, again, I, I think that if you have the knowledge and you have the tools, we need to share that with others yes. because you can only be, your projects can only be as successful as your trades are. Yeah. So when you have teams working together, whether you're in the same company or not, that's going to be your successful projects. Those are going to be the ones that are going to win awards and so on. So yes, I, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to, you know, share your knowledge. I think yeah. 2021 is going to be working together, sharing your knowledge, see what we can give back so that we can bring the economy back and everyone back to work. Absolutely. So do either of you have any predictions that you'd be comfortable sharing about the future of the construction industry? So, of course, after 2020, we saw that, you know, so many companies are much further along in their digital transformation. And as we'd spoken about earlier, some of that journey was voluntary, some otherwise due to just the state of the pandemic. But I'd be interested to hear where each of you think the next big change might show up in how we work in construction. So I think this is, I'm going to say something that's a little broad, but I think could be applicable to, to many things. So data strategy, we kind of briefly talked about that. You, we, we have to, I think as a whole in the industry, um, understand that data and like this kind of information can help us get ahead of the game and, and be very proactive in that the next obstacle or the next challenge, God forbid, never a pandemic again, <laughs> you know, doesn't, you know, completely, you know, throw our progress or, or, you know, we can still stay on track regardless of what obstacles come our way. Um, and, you know, I'd say just with Skanska, it, it, I don't think this is something that's like a this current transformation. There's definitely like a progression of our data strategy over the years. And, you know, we've always valued that information, but I kind of touched upon this earlier is I think on a, on a, not a high level, but on just like a project teams, like ground level, um, just understanding the data and how useful it is to us on the job site. And um, yes, we could use data for future projects and, uh, you know, bidding and risk management and whatnot. But I think real-time data on our job sites is very um, important for us to learn how to wield. Um, so, for example, I'm really interested in production tracking, just like real time digitizing the way we track progress on a job site. And that sort of information is very powerful because you can really see trends in the, the work that's being done on your job site. You can kind of predict, okay, listen, I'm, I'm not really meeting the, the work to be complete that I need to be at this point to meet deadlines or, you know, Maybe you could even use it for scheduling to see what jobs, you know, what trades you can bring on site sooner because some of the work is being done sooner. So it's it's data is such powerful, um, it's such a powerful like weapon or just a tool for us on a job site. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, with all the construction tech that we're seeing coming out in the future, a lot of that takes that data that's going on every day on the job site and puts that into our hands in a more, uh, I guess, easy to digest way. So Mihai, I feel yeah. like you've been sitting in on all of my meetings for the last <laughs> three to six months 
so I'm, I'm working on some research right now that I, I can't really share a bunch about, but very tied into data and, and the importance of our industry. And to steal from uh, Nathan Wood from Spectrum AEC, he, he said yeah. something like, a lot of contractors these days think they have a lake of data but they actually have a sewer because they have all this information, but they're not necessarily leveraging it in a way that's as meaningful as it possibly could be. And so I think the future of uh, construction tech in 2021 and beyond, I think really does tie into how people use their data and, and really mindfully assess what they're capturing and then take stock of why it's, it's going to be pretty interesting to see yeah. what, um, meaningful improvements companies are going to be able to make once they they kind of up level their game in that data conversation. Yes, I agree. I mean, Samiha, you touched on so many great points. You know, I think again, I'm going to go back to knowledge is power. Having that knowledge and being able to access these tools that we put in place, or maybe that they were already there, but nobody's using them, or they're just not. You know, and it starts on the top. If if your management over here doesn't want to, then everyone else on the bottom is just not going to follow. So I think it was it's amazing to think we can literally, we don't need an office anymore. We don't need to come to the office because now we can access all these amazing tools online. We have platforms and we have so much that we can do anywhere in the world yeah. really that we were right i mean I, I remember i don't know what month it was i was like hey the school the kids are not in school i can take my computer and work anywhere we went to big bear and i was like hey well this is where <laughs> we're going to do school for the next week you know yeah. and we were able to do that like that yeah. that's amazing not forever i don't want the, i don't want to do that forever <laughs> but um yeah. I, it's the knowledge is power. I think that Absolutely. we're going to see a lot of, a lot more in, in the digital world for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think my, my dream is to see more power users. I think I, I think I got into construction tech because, or VDC we'll say. So I got into VDC because I came from a, a, a GC that uh, we were so far from construction technology. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a smaller company. It's, it's a big overhead to take on some of the tools, um, but I did see the need for it. And you know, once I joined VDC, it seemed like this was amazing. Like, look at all the stuff I could do. And like, I really hope we can all come to, as an industry, come up to speed and, and do this together. And I would love to say that, like, I hope that companies, you know, across the board, focus on training their employees. You know, whether it's, it doesn't have to be on how to use a 360 camera, it doesn't have to be on how to use a laser scanner, but it could be various workflows that will save you time because we shouldn't have, you know, processes that like bog us down. You know, everyone's time is very valuable, especially in a fast moving industry like ours. So um, I hope as a whole, like we all just, you know, focus on building power users within our industry and then kind of spreading that information and collectively just kind of moving forward together. Yeah, I think there's a, a ton of opportunity to unpack in that space as well. And in informing people about the why behind some of the technology and showcasing really clearly to who's going to be using it, the, the positive impacts it's going to be on their, their work instead of framing it as a yet another tool that they have to engage with is, is going to be really important moving forward. 
So I have one more question for each of you before we end this week's episode. And I've asked it to each of our guests and it's been pretty entertaining to see the range of answers I've gotten. So can you tell me what is one tool you will always carry in your toolbox, no matter what type of project you're working on? Carolina, now how about you go first? Well, your past speakers had some amazing tools and um, I, I'm jealous. <laughs> but, you know, it's mine is pretty simple, but it's I, I use it almost on every project. It is my phone. It's the measuring tool in my phone <laughs> because a lot of the times what we need to do is to get square footages and, hey, I don't have a nice laser tool, unfortunately, but I do have my phone. Yes. And with that phone, I can measure, I can take pictures, I can get into my Dropbox, I can get into every application that I need without even having to go back to the office. I sit in my car and I do everything at once. So I can't live without my phone. Before I used to take like a bag or a backpack with like my notebook and measuring tape and this and that. And now it's just one little thing and I love it. <laughs> Caroline, you have me like aggressively shaking my head because... <laughs> Um, cause I, I was pretty much going to say the exact same thing. Um, my phone or my iPad either. Um, you know, if I don't have my phone, I, I, you know, if I don't have my iPad, you know, my phone is good enough cause I can access my entire job sites, like, you know, documentation, every drawing specs, everything I need from my phone. Like you're saying, I could take photos, um, it's everything I need in a little, in like a little compact, you know, tool. So I also, you know, think about where things are going. Like the new iPhones, the new iPads have like LiDAR technology in them. So like, do I even need a laser scanner anymore? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm sure it's, it's definitely not the same, but right. I think, you know, what we're saying is that like some of the tools that we interact with every day, like I'm sure when they're installing, I don't know what the purpose of installing the LiDAR cameras on the iPads or the phones were, but um, the other day, just to give you guys like a, a real life scenario is, you know, I my current project is in a hospital. And so getting access to some of the rooms is like a little bit of a logistics, you know, effort. And we can't always get access to some of the rooms. So, you know, if we're in there one week, I, I'm not sure when the next time we'll be able to get in there. I mean, it's an active, you know, hospital as well. So, um, you know, now I've got this laser scanner on my iPad that I could just go in and like scan the room and then I don't have to go back into that room again. And I don't need to go back into that room again because I have all that information stored, you know, on my iPad. I could share it with the project team, share it with all my subcontractors, done. So definitely what we've already got, our phones, our iPads, these are the best tools that we've, we've got right now. It's been interesting watching the trajectory just since I've joined the workforce workforce from phone being a distraction and something that's not necessarily welcome at your desk, like, you know, from the employee perspective to go, oh gosh, she's on a cell phone again to now it's, it's an absolute critical tool for most people, even just yeah. down to Slack and communicating with people yes. in a, in a pretty streamlined way. Yes. And like, I, I'd be, I'm deliberate about turning my phone off at some point in the evening, just because it's too easy to get too plugged into it sometimes, but I'm thankful for the, the flexibility it provides me in and you know my responsiveness and, and things along those lines. So I, uh, I'm 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 in line with both of you on this one. So yeah, 
All right. So as we come to a close, if our listeners have any questions for either of you, can you share how they can connect with you? So if you would like to reach out to me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Samiha Shaquille. Please feel free to send me a message if you'd just like to talk about construction tech or any experiences that you would like to share and also keep a lookout for my blog post coming up soon. And yes, the same. You can always find me on LinkedIn, Carolina Alvarez. You can also find my company, JNS Building Maintenance, Inc. Feel free to reach out on my email, calvarez at jsbminc.com. And also our website, jsbminc.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, again, small businesses that have any questions, uh, please reach out. All right, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to join us on this episode of Digital Builder. For more stories from our 40 under 40 nominees, make sure you take a look at the Digital Builder blog. There's a ton of new content on there every day, and it's absolutely worth checking out. As always, if you want to reach out with any questions or would like to be a guest on a future episode, you can find me on LinkedIn or via Twitter at Builder underscore digital. I've already gotten some thoughtful messages about the show and would absolutely love to hear from you. On that final note, goodbye. You've been listening to Digital Builder. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves, and then you're done. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.